Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Yeah, so we're back here, back in the saddle with Conversations. Z, today we're talking about omens. And the idea is that an omen is a sign of something to come. So if we can be intelligent about reading omens, understanding omens, we can better manage ourselves. We can better manage relationships. And this is something that dates back a long time. So Caitlin just corrected me. She fixed my nautical knowledge. So there's this old saying back in the day, which, as Caitlin explained to me, is pink sky at night, a sailor's delight. Red sky in the morning, a sailor takes warning. So depending on the color of the sky, you can figure out whether it's an environment where you want to go out on your boat, have a nice day sailing, or you want to capsize and potentially drown. So that's one example of omens. Uh, Z, there's another one related to the tsunami, uh, which I I learned when we had that whole tragedy back in late 2004, uh, which is some villages were saved because they'd passed down the knowledge from generation to generation that if you see the ocean recede, get the hell out, go to high ground. That's a sign of a tsunami. So a lot of people were caught completely off guard, but there were some places where they had that knowledge and they saw that the sea was pulling way back and they said something's not right, so they got to higher ground. They were able to save themselves. We can apply the same thing to our own health. You think about physical conditions or the physical condition of people There might be basic omens, uh, like maybe my heart rate is getting higher. Maybe I'm having trouble climbing a flight of stairs. Maybe my weight is creeping up. And maybe each of these things individually isn't that big of a deal. But I look at all of this together. I'm out of breath. I'm getting fat. Uh, I've got higher blood pressure. There's something going on. So maybe I should check in with myself, see if I can sort myself out. So omens are interesting. And Z, the reason I think this is really interesting is that omens are all around us. And a lot of times, none of of the signs are a, I shouldn't say none of the signs are a surprise. It's more like a lot of times it's obvious what's going to happen, but people still don't pay attention. You see this a lot in financial markets. If you go back before 2008, 2008, we had that huge decline in the housing market. We had the financial crisis. People were looking at what was going on, and you could get ninja loans at that time. So a ninja loan stands for no income, job, or assets. So you got no income, you got no job, you got no assets, and you can still borrow money to buy a house. Obviously, not a great idea. I mean, clearly the whole system is going to collapse, but there was a famous quote at the time. The head of city. this was in 2007, right around the time that the market started to collapse. He said, as long as the music is playing, you have to keep on dancing. So people saw the omens. People talked about it. No one did anything. Some people came up with stories as to why this time is different and you can have house prices that go up forever and you can borrow money. And not only can you borrow money to buy the house and put nothing down, you can borrow money to pay the interest payments and somehow that's okay and it's not all going to collapse. Other people maybe were a little more savvy, but they didn't care because as long as the thing kept on going, they were making money, uh, so they had no incentive to stop. 
So you had omens for this train wreck, but still people continued. Going back to personal health, I, I see the same thing. I mean, I see it with people that I know where they know they're in trouble, but it's not big enough trouble to do something about. Uh, so maybe they're in and out of the hospital, but they can still function. They can get through with antibiotics and medication and doctor's visits. So they can figure out some way to accommodate the the illness that the body is going through and stave off the impending doom. I don't think that it averts disaster. Ultimately, there's some reckoning and you have to pay the price. But it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. So, yeah, I see the omen. Yeah, it's a problem. But guess what? I'm still standing. I'm not dead yet. I'm going to keep on eating whatever I want and, and not exercising and living a very stressful life. And hopefully things will turn out okay. <laughs> so it's kind of weird, right? That's probably the most interesting thing to me, that you've got these signs around. But because there's not a an immediate cause and effect relationship, I will say there's a direct relationship but there's not always an immediate relationship between the omen and the ultimate outcome. Uh, people ignore the signs. They put their head in the sand. And maybe at times uh, they get bailed out. Some Something changes. Things work out in your favor. But it just feels to me like we're not good at taking action until we hit a point of crisis. Whether you're talking about individual health, whether you're talking about emotional health, whether you're talking about society— you can look, for example, at the wealth imbalances, and this has been a trend which has been going on for 30 years. I think 30 years ago, CEOs of companies made something like 20 times what the lowest paid employee made. Uh, these days, it's something like 300 times. And that trend has been going on for a long time. People were talking about this 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, about how this is all out of whack, yet it's gotten worse and worse and worse. Now, maybe we're at the point where something is changing. We've got this whole agenda to tax billionaires. I don't know if things will change. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But the point is that things can go on for a long time and continue for a long time without a reckoning. And maybe that's why we ignore the omens or we get so good at convincing ourselves that somehow this time is going to be different and we'll be able to avert disaster. So, Z, why don't we kick off with you? We've talked a bit about this concept of omens how do you think about it? Just give us some thoughts on on how we can get better at reading omens or what we should be looking for in different areas of our lives. I, I, I look at it like you can look at various gauges in a, a, a an aircraft or a car. Those gauges, uh, the old analog and digital gauges, gave you constant readings of the immediate status of the vehicle right? It would show you how much fuel, what your oil pressure was, how much voltage your alternators making and so forth. And if you glance at those gauges at different times, you could see them trending one way or another. And they were always had a middle indicator that everything was okay. Everything was five by five. And if you're driving along on a hot day and you start to see the temperature tends to start going up, it gave you an opportunity to change your rate of travel or so on so that it wouldn't get too hot and you find yourself stranded. So the omen of being stranded was that, that temperature gauge creeping up more than it was staying in a nominal place. You know when you're on a long trip and there's a sign that says next gas station 200 miles. 
you glance at your gas gauge and you have somewhere around 100 miles of range, you probably want to pull over, that omen, so to say. Those are more tangible. But there are subtle omens that are just as important. When you're talking about health issues, you notice that you're not sleeping that well. And each night, you're getting less and less sleep. So we know that like that the thermostat gauge in your car, fuel gauge, is we're trending in the wrong direction. An omen can also let us know we're trending in the right direction. So it's not either good or bad. It's simply giving you an indication of what's to come. And it's not an absolute in the sense, but it is a reasonable point of reference. So I, when I talk to people who are struggling with various diseases, and I was asking a young man who was uh, very overweight, when did he realize he was overweight? When he was one pound overweight, when the gauge moved a little at past center? How about when he was 60 pounds overweight, when now there's an alert in the body, there are health issues, it's hard to get off the couch. And at each point with those omens, like mile markers, you have an opportunity up to a point to take a different path. Today I want to really challenge everybody on why don't we observe omens. We talked earlier about meteorology. Back in the 50s and 60s, people didn't trust the weatherman. They didn't have all the equipment. They just had um, meteorological charts, trends based on the season. They know since they've tracked the month of April for the last hundred years that they can expect so much precipitation, so much rain in April. April showers bring May flowers. That's where we got that term from, right? So. We could see those that for hundreds of years, we would have April showers and May flowers. So the weatherman using those charts, looking up at the sky, checking a barometer for atmospheric pressure and humidity, he could say to a certain degree of certainty, it's going to rain today. Take your umbrella, take your jacket, because there were omens. There were omens he, that the gauges were picking up and there were omens you could physically observe. You know that it's a certain time of year you used to see the, the birds flying south for the winter, right? They're headed to warmer area of the earth because uh, birds don't really want to deal with cold, just like me. So you would see the birds flying away. You find other omens in nature like that. Anytime you see animals leaving, you need to go. That's an omen. It's biblical in a sense. John John was telling me, or somebody was telling me, uh, Caitlin was telling me in I guess in Egypt, scorpions are, are just bailing out of the city and, and, and attacking people. Well, it's time to get out of that city. So there are things going on with the weather. There's a lot of arguments people have about uh, the changing of climate due to man-made activities, and it's become highly politicized, thus no understanding matters. Because if you take one political side, if you're liberal, you think the, the sky is falling. If you're conservative, you want to just burn as much coal as you can and uh, dance like it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine just to prove the liberals wrong. And uh, the liberals are wanting to put sanctions against anybody who um, wants to take a drive to, this, to the country because of their carbon footprint. But nobody's really looking at the earth. We see huge forest fires like we've never seen before. Not in recorded history 
we haven't seen these. We've heard about them. Anthropologists have said this happened before, maybe a few thousand years ago or something. So there are omens all around that give us an indicator of things to come. Here at Dharma Media and with our opt-out program, I want all of us to be better at reading omens both near and far, personal and general. Like good weathermen, let's see what's happening. There are so many things going on that we can predict to a high degree of certainty, like a weatherman circa 1970 when they first invented Doppler radar and that sort of stuff and better barometers. There are problems that, that we want to be ahead of. That's what the omen gives. It gives you an opportunity to change course in your own life. You can't change the world. You can change your own course. A lot of health issues uh, with, for example, uh, sugar issues, glycemic issues. We know that the food has been um, altered. So we want to look at what are omens. You know, that sandwich doesn't fill me up like it used to, right? Uh, that tomato doesn't taste right anymore. This is a real thing. A uh, genetically modified tomato doesn't have the same flavor as an organic tomato. So the taste buds are giving you omens. Just small, small palate packages that said something isn't right. Something's a little off. Something is trending in a different direction. Take heed to those omens for they're giving you an idea of things to come. And when it comes to societal issues, we can hear and we can interact with people and you can almost tell when things are going to go wrong. I think people who have been in family situations, you know family members well enough to know when to back off, right? They're, they're omens. Certain things will be said, an inflection in the face, the facial affect, a raise of the eyebrow. And you say, okay, I know where this is going. That's an omen. Everybody has experienced that. I know it's a trend I look for. It's what's helped me in my later years be somewhat successful in a relationship and being able to maintain marriage is you know when to kind of change course so that it maintains domestic harmony as opposed to running right into something and then creating the momentum of negativity that can pull you apart, right? So you want to read these omens. You want to read when you interact with people. How do we get the best out of this relationship? Um, and that's also can be applied in business relationships, intimate relationships. You can also look at, again, going back to health issues. We had somebody here, I think, Jante uh, was telling me about somebody who was itching. They kept having itching. They were really itching. And they were busy and working. We know that's a sign. The skin is the largest organ on the body. So if your skin is continually itching or breaking out, it's time to take a look at things. I had a breakout of skin when I was under a tremendous amount of stress, exhausted. And that means your kidneys are tiring. They're shutting down. And your waste is coming out of your sebaceous glands and coming through the epidermis. And it's showing that, hey, there's some problems, some real problems. But long before that happens, were you going through a higher than level normal stress? Were you lacking sleep? Were you not having uh, boundaries in your daily life? 
Were you able to sit down and have a good meal? Uh, were you, are you up at night staring at the ceiling thinking and thinking? These are all going to lead you somewhere. So to read these omens, you often have to step back, just like a good weatherman, and look at your screen. Let's look at the clouds. Let's step back and look. Or even some people can sense a storm with their body. There are people who have rheumatism and arthritis, and they feel it in their bones when the weather has changed. They say, oh, it's going to be cold today. I can feel it, or my, my knee is swelling. And what I want to do is exercise that part of us that can decipher omens and have a dispassionate view of them so we can guide ourselves to a better place. I get people in every day that have health issues that can be overcome. And I listen for little words they say that gives me insight into their personality that helps me create a strategy that works for them. I know the person who, the type of person who may walk in and they have their notebook and they ask endless questions on top of questions and they don't implement the first tier of their remedy. That's going to be a difficult path for them because the very thing that's causing them to be ill is the religion of their behavior and personality. So we're going to have to plot a strategy so that they can change their religion, so that the habits that they have can be faced, addressed, and repurposed. Habits never go away. You just develop stronger new habits. I was talking to everyone in here today, uh, John, John, John Tate, and Caitlin, uh, about what you learn when you work with people who are addicted to anything, be it food or substances. The omens for them is they know that they can't be around that thing that is attractive. And though that attractive thing, they strive to make it repulsive, it's very difficult. So what is the best thing for a person who obsessively eats to do is don't have a lot of food around. What's the best thing for a person who has issues with substance abuse? Don't be around that substance. Don't be around people who indulge in that substance. So that's a hard thing to do, but the omens are there. You know you get a call, hey, let's go out. Everybody's gotten that call. Let's go hang out. And there will be certain friends, right? And you know the omen is that call. That was the call. I got a call from Bobo, and Bobo wants to, he's got a new car. There's a problem right there because Bobo doesn't have a job. So I don't know why Bobo has a new car, okay? It's going to be a problem. That's an omen. Bobo's one omen. The new car is a second omen. Trouble is coming. It's like watching the storm build up on the horizon. So what we want to do, for one, we're going to not go out with Bobo. And we definitely aren't going to get in this new car because Bobo doesn't have a job. All right? I'm talking to you, John John. So anyway, these are omens. We know of omens in our family life. Go for it, Jay. You were going to say something. So it brings a question to mind. <clears throat> so dealing with the, the addiction to substance, you know this. Uh, you and Anissa have both treated me. I was borderline alcoholic mm -hmm. during like my era of depression. That was my crutch. So in 
overcoming that, now I'm at that place in life where if I'm out with friends or we're social, I can have a drink and I'm good. I'm not extraordinary in that regard. I feel like I just addressed the underlying issue that caused me to need a crutch. But what is that where I don't have to just avoid the thing at all? I can control myself. Well, it's evolution. Evidently, we want to be stewards of ourselves. When we lose ourselves in any habitual activity, we have lost ourselves. We become religious fanatics, no longer thinking and simply being governed by dogma or the subtle cellular ideology that this will give me escape and relief. So like I said, habits never go away. Just new habits become stronger and more dominant than the old habit. So you're able to do moderation now. At one time, you couldn't do moderation, yet you must always be on guard for that. And so the omen is you know the number of drinks you can indulge in, and you know once you've reached that, that you don't, you don't go beyond that. If you breach that, we know where that's going. The breaching of your boundary is an omen of things to come. We know what's going to happen, or we have a reasonable uh, understanding of where we're going to head. There's a good possibility this negative thing's going to happen. So all of us would serve ourselves well by developing tools of being good readers of these omens, personal meteorologists. What is the weather of my day going to be like? What is the weather of my week? I try to share this with people as they do health and wellness programs. And one of the challenges that I have is that it's very difficult for people to learn the tools of personal responsibility. But in order to be well, you have to be responsible to yourself. So I try to work with them on developing tools like you have, tools of sincere moderation, which also means tools of constancy that you have registers you've created and say, here are the limits of me. Here are the boundaries of me. And when you find areas where you're not good at negotiating those boundaries, avoid that path altogether. Just avoid that path altogether. Again, don't get in Bobo's new car. Okay? So that's a limit right there. Because see, if I go and I breach that boundary, what I know about myself is that I'm a loyal friend. John, John. I'm a loyal friend. Bobo's a fool, but he's my friend based on old connections, familiar or sentimental bonds. Bobo is untethered like a, a raving craving, right? Like a ravenous hunger, like a, a compulsion to do drugs. Bobo has nothing to lose. So in that new car, which doesn't seem to have registration, and there's no key in the ignition, wires are hanging from the dash. And we know right away, things the potential for things to go bad have just increased. And because I know myself and I'm loyal, I'll probably be with him in whatever trouble he gets into. So I know that that's a boundary that's hard for me to navigate. It's like the, the person who goes to a buffet who can't control their eating. Don't go to buffets. Don't, just don't go there. 
don't go to the Hofbra and have the $7.99 all-you-can-eat special. You will leave there and you will already be breaching the break line of your diet. So a lot of times restraint, self-control is developed slowly. The discipline, which means the disciple within. So the more discipline we have, the better we are at reading omens because that discipline allows us to accept our own limitations and then we can develop what's known as self-control, self-governance, self-ownership, self-possession. And these are tools that must, on a regular basis, be honed and cultivated. You follow me? So that moderation is the ability to, to read the weather patterns and know whether to take an umbrella or a sun cap. You see? You follow me, Vin? Yeah, you make a really interesting point, Z, which is not just about reading the omens, but about governing yourself, understanding what your boundaries are, what your limits are. And this is why it's so hard to read omens, or maybe not to read omens, but to act on omens. Because as we've talked about, a lot of omens are obvious, whether it's related to health or related to relationships. You see the signs early on. It's not surprising that uh, things take a wrong turn. Uh, it's not surprising that once your health gets to a certain level, your body is going to break down. If you're with someone and your partner doesn't support you in whatever you want to do, and they uh, have their own agenda, their own view of life, which is incompatible with yours, at some point there's going to be a conflict, and either you can work through it together, evolve, or it's going to tear you apart. So the omens themselves often are clear, and when we're on the outside, they're not that hard to read. I think about people in my life that I'm close to that I've helped in certain situations, whether it's my wife's anxiety, uh, other people in the family have had relationship issues. And whenever you look at this stuff from the outside, the omens are there. It's obvious what's going to happen. The course of action is obvious. But then when you're sitting in the middle of it, it becomes a much different proposition. And part of it is we might have blind spots. So there might be certain things that are obvious to other people that aren't obvious to us. Beyond that, though, you've got the ego and the ego gets involved. And a lot of times we have an incentive to ignore those omens. Uh, so we tell ourselves, yeah, I'll be fine. I can cheat on my diet. It's not that big of a deal. I can have one more drink. I'll be okay. I deserve this. Everyone else is out having a good time. Why can't I go and do the same thing? Or you want to be in a relationship so badly and you feel alone. You feel like this is finally your opportunity. So you willfully ignore all of the evidence that tells you that the person you're with is a serial killer or a psychopath or whatever the case may be. So it's almost like we've got these internal programs which cause us, number one, to dismiss the omen. And even beyond that, we might train ourselves to be blind to what's right in front of us uh, because we, we just don't want to see it. Uh, maybe we want to protect ourselves. Uh, so if something isn't working out, uh, let's say a career decision. Uh, I think about my own experience, which I've talked about quite a bit, 
starting a business, along the way, I, I knew that I was going in the wrong direction, but I wanted to be right, and I wanted to see these things out, see it out on my terms, and it was really weird, and even when I talk about it now, it doesn't make any sense. I just hear the words that I'm using, and it sounds insane, but at the time, I had a certain strategy that I was pursuing. Even though that strategy wasn't working, I felt like I've got to be right. I've got to make this work. And I just ignored all of the evidence that piled up until finally it got to a point where it was too much pain and I decided to go in a different direction. So that's often what I see, that whatever these self-destructive behaviors are or our tendency to ignore what's right in front of us, we don't take action or we don't correct that vision until we reach a point of such discomfort that we have no other option. Our hand is forced. And if we think about that, Z, ideally it's better to, to not get to that point. We can save ourselves some pain. We can also save ourselves some time. We can act more quickly and move in a better direction. But to do that, we have to be able to do what you're talking about. We have to be able to master ourselves, to look at ourselves dispassionately, to set the appropriate boundaries, to manage the ego. And the ego, to me, is probably the biggest challenge that we have. Talk about that for a bit. Just expand on what you were saying earlier. How do we get a hold of ourselves so that we can see these omens clearly and we have the strength to take the right action? Vin, one of the ways, again, we always talk about here at the Dispassionate Observer concept, this opt-out concept. Taking self-ownership is the idea of harnessing and tethering and constraining the ego. Really understand the nature of ego where it doesn't want you to listen to anything. It wants you to just go just bullheadedly into something um, or to fight for your position even when it's not necessary or fight even when it's not there. So you're literally being a rebel without a pause nor a cause. And we want to reject that mechanism because it hinders our own evolution. When you're reading omens, there's a few uh, elements that go into that. There's the known history of the person or events. There is the etiology, the observation of the signs and symptoms Combine that with familiarity. There's also the architecture of omens. And what I mean by that is as you're looking at situations, we know the history of the thing, we know the behavior of the thing, and we know the ability for that thing to take action. So we watch behaviors, not just our own, but other people's too. How do we engage or interact? There are certain people you can hear the change of tone in their voice when you bring up certain subjects. I know that I often like to harass religious people, so I'll know just the right thing to say to get a reaction from them that's an omen of where we're going, right? So you know that about me. So I, I, I'm not a big religious person. So I'll say something about uh, the spaghetti monster, whoever they believe in, whatever their chosen superstition. And the minute I say that, I can see their body tense up. So they said, well, I don't believe in the divine spaghetti monster. That sounds ridiculous. I said, oh, you don't believe in the divine spaghetti monster. Hmm. 
How about the baby Jesus? And they said, well, that's different. And then I hear the tone in their voice. So I can see where we're going. Because I've also provoked this, because I know me. I'm being provocative. The person is now lost. They, they understand it. I understand now that they don't understand their own boundaries. Because the people who are sound in their beliefs, they, they, their, their temperament doesn't change. The pallor of skin doesn't change. They have no desire to educate me or teach me, but they're okay with themselves. But very few people are that way. Very few people are that way. So I can see where we're going. Will you guys work at the desk long enough to now know when a person comes in with a certain behavior, you know where this is going to go. Right? You guys have had, Caitlin, Jay, you guys have that experience now. You, Caitlin, you, you guys always talk about, we know, the, we know the people that probably won't be a good fit for us. The, the ones that are going to run out the door screaming. Right. Or just demanding things that we can't offer them. Right? So in order to read that, we first need to know yourselves. When I do my provocative thing to people, there's a reason I do that. Because I found that to initiate a wellness strategy for a person, you have to shake them up to their core. Because I deal with people who are facing life and death issues as well as quality of health issues. And people lie. They don't do it maliciously or intentionally. But the ego oftentimes doesn't allow people to speak plainly about themselves because it's concerned with how, you, how they imagine you perceive them. What they think you're thinking they're thinking about you. This, yes, it's ridiculous. So in order to do that, I have to be a disruptor. So I have to be a disruptor so that the real omens can come forth. The history of that person, the temperament of that person, their um, habit nature, the, the, the real person. Because people are clothed in ego garment, right? And, and when they're clothed in the ego garment, they're throwing up illusion. But one of the things that always offsets that is the very primalcy of them, the primal makeup of that person. I can tell how a person curls their toes, hunches their shoulders, how they roll their back, how they clutch their fist. All those things are telling me what the ego is trying to cover. But in order to get to a wellness place, I have to read the omens of them, just like if you're doing, as if I were doing a medical diagnostic. When you go and get a real medical diagnostic, go, go to put on the robe, put on the slippers, take your clothes off. We need to see the nitty gritty, right? So dealing with a person to really get to the nitty gritty, I have to, I have to bring the ego out, make it reveal itself, and then dispatch it. Now we can get to getting healthy. Until then, we can't get healthy. So my experience with that and with working on myself and, and, and years and years of working with people is the uninteresting nature of all of us, right? Is that underneath that ego garment is the primal being. And the omens of well-being the omens of disease are always there if you are clear-eyed, open-minded, you'll see it right there. 
And then when we get into conversations about mitigating health issues, even the ability to listen and absorb information can be hindered by the ego garment. So I can see the omens. Where can we get to? Where can we go? I found that getting people to laugh about things they're normally embarrassed about by showing, hey, we all go through it, right? We all go through it. It's, it, it's not shameful. It's not a bad thing. We all go through it. So let's talk about it so we can work on it. And when you can get a person to open their heart, which is revealed often through a sincere smile or a, a, a laugh, now we can get to work. Because all the omens are easy to read. There's clarity. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, I agree with your assessment that until the ego is put aside, there's almost no point to the conversation because it's kind of like you're intentionally putting up blinders. There's certain things that you don't want to see that you just don't want to know, and you're always going to try and find some excuse or find some other explanation as to why the disaster in front of you isn't going to happen or you're unique or it's not your fault or whatever the story is. That's what we all do. We invent these explanations. I see this with my kids sometimes when they're sitting down and they're doing homework. It's interesting because there is no point in trying to get them to do work unless they're in the right frame of mind. So if they're anxious or they don't want to do it or they're whiny, my whole job is to do exactly what you've been describing, Z, which is to pull them back and get them in a state where they're past the anxiety, they're calm, they can see clearly, they can do the assignment. And usually at that point, it just takes them a few minutes. It might be 15 minutes of screaming and complaining or 20 minutes of complaining. But then once we get past that, hey, guess what? It's not that hard. Uh, so that's what I try and cultivate in my own family, uh, which is getting to that state of mind where we can actually see clearly we're ready to attack whatever problem is in front of us, which may not exactly be an omen, but the principle to me seems very similar because what we're talking about in this discussion is you've got to have that clarity of vision. You have to be able to see things in a naked light away from the ego. If you put that filter of the ego in front of you, it's going to distort. And something that's very simple and very obvious it suddenly is not going to be so simple and obvious. And then you wrap yourself up in knots and you come up with all these complicated explanations and you end up in therapy and you spend years in therapy just trying to undo all of the mental twists and turns that you've taken because you don't want to just admit to whatever the problem is. So all of that makes a ton of sense to me. What I would ask you, Z, I do want to point, or sorry, I do want to press on this a little bit because to me it's a really important point. If someone is sitting down with you, you've got a certain way of working with people. You can use the humor a lot of times, I haven't seen everyone you work with. I can just speak to my own personal experience. You berate people, you beat them up, you you make me feel bad about myself, and then suddenly, uh, through that, some magic happens, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, now I'm sufficiently beaten down. I, I can move forward, and I can clear up whatever affliction I have. Maybe you've got different techniques with other people, 
uh, the humor, uh, the... No, you got it right. That's pretty much what I do. Everybody here agrees with it. I think John John has known me longer than anyone, so he knows the drill. <laughs> yeah, as an aside, that's uh, that's why I always want to follow in your footsteps because uh, I, I want a legitimate reason to, to push people around. Uh, but anyway, a uh, different conversation for a different day. So if you're working through it with someone – yeah, you can cajole them, you can push them, you can laugh at them, you can laugh together, and you've got your own techniques and you know how to read people. Give us a sense for what what do you do on your own? I mean, if we're talking to our audience and we find ourselves isolated or we're in the midst of all these problems, let's say that we're not based in Southern California, we can't stop by the Dharma Health Institute, we have to deal with this issue on our own. How do we do that magic on ourselves? How do we get ourselves to that same point? There's a, there's a few things, and I, I like to speak to that. I want people to role play their own, be your own personal weatherman. Step away for a minute and look at the circumstance of you and just really read the signs. If you're having health issues, take the telemetry. Check your pulse. Check your heart rate. Check your weight. Check the how long does it take you to get going in the morning and how long does it take you to fall asleep at night. Just take a note on that, just like a weatherman, taking all the information they can so they can come up with a good prediction of what the weather is going to be like, what the condition of the day, the condition of the moment is like. And again, we have to discard the ego garment. And as you mentioned in a humorous way, observing me, as you say, beat down folks. John John knows from long time ago, back in the 70s, whatever, people would come around and brag about how great they were in martial arts. Right? Right, John John? They would brag about how great they were and whatever, and they, they knew everything. And I would, I would act impressed and say, hey, let's move around a little bit. I think Jante knows about that. And so we invite the person in, and we let them express their ego Till it's fullest. And then what? <laughs> then it's a bad day. Destroy them. We destroyed. I don't destroy them. I destroy the ego. The ego. Mm -hmm. And once you destroy the ego and its hold on, you can never destroy the ego, but you can break its grip on your more, your more divine self. And once that grip is broken, you become open hearted. You want to learn. You want to know. You want to grow. That's right. Sometimes it's through humiliation. Sometimes it's through exhaustion. And again, humiliation isn't the degrading humiliation you think. It comes from the word being humbled. Mm -hmm. Humiliation is just being humbled. I thought I knew something and I didn't. I thought I was great at something and I wasn't. So now I can let go of that idea and now pursue greatness. I, even when it comes to health and well-being, people often lie about their condition of health. They'll sit here and simply lie. And I say, no, I see your skin breaking out. I see uh, your, the tongue diagnosis. I see it. And oftentimes people will break down in tears because that's what happens when the ego garment falls away. The real person is there. Now we can work together. Now we can build you to a beautiful place without being subjugated by the ego. So we talk about their omens 
that are present. There are signs of things to come. So every one of us, we have an idea of what is going to happen. Not an absolute knowing, but a sense of where we're going to be. When a sailor navigates the ocean with a sextant, they don't always get, they don't see exactly 100 miles away, but they know wherever they're going is closer in that vicinity than somewhere else. You understand? So if I can, if you can, it's like using your GPS. If I'm lost, I was somewhere up in, in Ojai last week and I needed to get out of Ojai. If I can get out of Ojai and get to the 101, out of the mountains, I can figure myself out from there. And that's all we want to do. So I need to see signs to give me an idea of which way to head. I need to know my true north so I can know east, west, and south. Then I can get home. I can get to where I want to be. So those are the tools that all of us can use out there to find our true north. What are the omens and, and, and signs? What are the signs that tell us where we're headed? And if we don't want to go there, then we can plot another course. What are the signs of my health declining? What are the signs of my health declining? I don't want to go there, so let's find another path. Let's go another way. And I want to, when I know I'm healthy, when I'm far away from unhealthiness, right? If I know that going deep into the abyss is that way, if the, the abyss that I don't want to go to is east, I need to know where south, west, and north is. So I don't go that way. And those are things we want to work on. You going to say something, Jay? Yeah, it, it makes me think of, um, we say it all the time when we're training people, especially new clients. Uh, the body tells a tale that the tongue will never speak, right? It makes me think of that. Um, and I would add that I think most people aren't in their bodies in terms of reading omens. Like right now, my ankle's hurting and I know what it's from. So I know when I go train how I have to adjust so I don't further damage the ankle. But most people aren't aware of those things in their movement. Even the way you move kind of tells a tale. When my heart's messed up, I know that I move a little slower or I'm a little more erratic because everything's firing on 100. So I know to pull back, breathe, calm down, and bring it back to, to normal. And that's not something that's commonplace. It's just having people sit with their bodies. Well, how did you develop that skill? <sighs> you didn't always have that skill. How did you develop it? I would argue that I developed it walking through the abyss. Because, um, I mean, you saw when my heart first started to, to have issues. Mm -hmm. And... I kind of ignored it for a long time. But my point is, why did you ignore it? See, that's the ego garment. Right. And I think part of it is because I went my whole life fine, playing basketball, running track, whatever else. And I felt like, all right, it'll work itself out. If I just keep training, I just keep X, Y, Z thing until it got to a point where I couldn't train. And it forced me to sit down and say, okay, I need to address this. What are the things that I have to navigate? Like my ego broke through the, through hitting that point of entering the abyss and saying, okay, it's sending me to a place where I cannot function. So now if I want to function, I have to actually address this thing. And, and, and what I, I feel like Jante is 
seconding what I said about the, the humiliation of suffering. The humbling that you go through through suffering also allows you to peel away the ego garment, where you feel yourself unable to perform in a way or function in a way that you see yourself doing, but you just can't do it. Um, and there are so many things in the way of that. So uh, the intelligence, the superior intelligence of the body tells you, if you want to keep going, you're going to have to stop and take an assessment of where you're at. So the omens of the heart palpitations, the losing, uh, becoming winded, um, the decline of muscle mass, um, those are all telling you stories. They're, again, I'm going to say this a few times, like the weatherman reading clouds, reading precipitation, reading the barometric pressures. All those things are telling us what's going to come. And as we work on ourselves, we're going to be better and better at understanding why we're blind to that. And that's the ego garment that makes us blind to obvious signs. Human beings are the only creature on earth that will run outside in the rain and go play golf in a lightning storm. That's true. <laughs> Every other creature on like earth avoids avoid storms. <laughs> so that doesn't make us super smart. But the ego is so dominant. Hey, I don't care about the lightning and the rain. I'm going to go get in a few, uh, a few rounds of golf. Okay. Right? I saw the other day people playing golf in a storm with an alligator walking around the, the, the field. This is, a, this is the folly of a fool and the submission to the ego. Look, I don't like anything that much where I have to avoid lightning and alligators. Okay? I like a lot of things, but not too many things I can think of I like that much. And so we want to be aware of our behavior. Um, we're really big here at Dharma Media and in this program we're on, on people taking full responsibility for their health and well-being. And this is one of the tools. So I'll kind of summarize this by asking everyone to withdraw your senses for a moment, work on shedding the ego garment, and observe omens in your own life as it pertains to something as simple and as precious as your general health and well-being. That health and well-being includes mental health, social health, physical health. When I work with people who are going through chronic disease, I often bring in the whole family. This is a normal thing I do. I, because being loved is part of the medicine. The exchanging of love is part of the medicine of health and well-being because we're only here because people give a damn about us. So if you're going through something, bring everybody that gives a damn about you and see what roles they can play in uplifting you because those same people can also undermine your health. If boundaries are not set, if priorities aren't presented, and I also I use that so I can read the omen of the family as I produce strategies and prescribe remedy for these maladies. I want to know what I'm working with. Will they be compliant or are there many things that this person is working against that I can add to the strategy of mitigation?
You guys follow? Does that, that answer it, Vin? Yeah, it does, Z. Uh, the way that I think about it listening to you, it feels like we need to open ourselves up because the ego, as I envision it, it makes us closed off. It's a mechanism to protect our small sense of self, whatever our self-conception is. It's like putting on blinders so we can only see what we want to see. And we somehow need to loosen its grip, as you put it. And I, I keep on coming back to this idea of opening yourself up when I hear your words, whether it's through the humiliation. You're so beaten down that finally you surrender. And once you surrender, you're open to whatever possibilities life presents you. You just talked about love. You have people who support you, who care about you, so you can be more vulnerable. You can be more trusting. Um, you can check yourself. You can step away from yourself. Uh, you could recognize uh, that you're not that special. Maybe that's another way of opening yourself to the idea that you're not perfect, uh, that there are challenges and there are signs. I, I mean, the good news about this is that once you go through that process, your vision is so much sharper. You can see the world so much more clearly. And once you start seeing these omens, you can decide what to do about it. You don't necessarily need to take action right away. Maybe you do. But at least you can begin to understand the patterns. You can see the cause and effect. And you can navigate and maneuver and end up in a better place. So that's what I'm hearing, Z. I mean, we started this conversation talking about omens Maybe there are some that are more difficult to to understand, and maybe as we refine our ability to step back from ourselves, that pattern recognition improves, and we can get to a point where we can see increasingly subtle things and have a more nuanced understanding of what serves us and what doesn't serve us. But I would say where a lot of people are tripped up, it's not in piecing these complicated signs together and making sense of the entrails, it's really seeing what's right in front of us. And to see what's right in front of us, uh, we need to let go of the ego. So th that's what I get from it, Z. Yeah, and, and I'll finish. I'm just thinking about something said in the Mahabharat. Uh, they have a part in the Mahabharat that Yudhishthira is heading to heaven. He's heading to the Himalayas at the end of his life. He's 300 years old. He's walking. And as he's walking, he's disturbed. But yet he's at peace because he sees signs of the Kali Yuga, omens. And what does he see? He sees the behavior of people. The people are impolite. Because he lived through a great war. He lived through the decimation of humanity. He saw it once before. And because he had saw it once before, he was able to see the omens of these things happening again. The things that caused the destruction of humanity and the collapse of civilization. And they were little things. That people were impolite. That they lacked graciousness. They mistreated the elderly. They ignored children. They despised intelligence. They worshipped people essentially for their notoriety and not for their service to humanity. And he says, yeah, rough things are going to come. That's omens of bad things. But there's a whole list of these omens that he had seen before, things he had, had happened, and in deconstructing those events, he could see how they happened. Only after 
these horrible events, he was able to forensically reverse engineer how did things get that bad. And for all of us who are working on ourselves, let's be wise like the great sage Yudhithra and say, how did things get this bad? When you're in California and you see gas prices at $5 a gallon, when you see the average person's health is poor, when you hear that security guards are stabbing people in stores because they didn't wear masks, when schools are in distress because of extraordinary and extreme bizarre mandates that don't seem to have an end, uh, those are omens. We don't, can't say necessarily with absolute certainty where they're headed, but we know that's not a good thing. Those are definite storm clouds on the horizon that it would do us well to be aware of and avoid. Yeah, I think that's, that's good, Z. Yeah, we can wrap here. So check that ego. Sharpen the vision. See the signs. Don't believe the scam. <laughs> Listen to things. I mean, so many times it's, it's just about what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. And if we, we get rid of all the excuses and the complicated explanations, uh, it becomes a lot easier to figure things out. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.